Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. So this is the season of joy. Maybe you guys have been watching TV. I know the younger generation don't watch TV anymore, so you see the, net, the ads on Hulu or Netflix or wherever you see that. Netflix don't have ads. Uh, YouTube. Uh, and it's always talking about this is the season of joy. This is a season of giving. This is a holiday season. And so I'm wondering what's in this box today. We've been opening these boxes and seeing gifts and things that relate to the message. Oh, man. Anybody remember these? Anybody remember the Super Bowl? Anybody got a Super Bowl? No, right? Why? Because what happens to Super Bowls once you throw them really hard? They're gone. Right. I can remember geeking out when my mom or somebody used to bring me a Super Bowl growing up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it brought me such happiness. But only for a little while. See, because I lived in the projects on um, on the east side. And uh, we lived in Marshall Apartments around 12th and not even 12th. It's a Chicago and Rosewood. And anybody know that area is very hilly. There are hills everywhere. And so once you hit the Super Bowl one good time, boom, it's gone. Maybe you had a backyard. Maybe you had grass. You can hold on to your Super Bowls a little longer than me. But mine's never lasted an afternoon. Right? And even if I could track down my Super Bowl across heavy traffic and things of that nature, there was all these storm drains. Right? And so it would end up in the storm drains and back to the store for another Super Bowl. And you might be saying, why are you talking about Super Bowls here on Sunday morning? See, you can't help but want to throw it and bounce it. Um, but you know that you have to nurture it if you want to keep it. You have to guard it. You have to, you have to make sure that it doesn't get away from you. And hard surfaces and Super Bowls don't get along. The harder the surface, the higher it bounces. The harder the surface, the more fleeting the Super Bowl will go, right? The further away. It will go. And so Super Bowls are symbolic of happiness. But we want to talk about joy this morning. You see, there's a big difference between happiness and joy. You give a child a Super Bowl and you shouldn't give these to children because they are choking hazards. That won't be very joyful. We could, our parents let us play with stuff. They could kill us. They didn't even care. <laughs> Boy, you do it, you won't do it twice. Okay, so what was I talking about? I'm so ADHD this morning. Toy, joy, joy, happiness. The difference between joy and happiness is happiness, which we can get from these Super Bowls or toys or, or, or things, is external. Joy, however, is internal. Joy is an inside job. Now, you might get happiness from the joy that you have on inside, but it's not uh, internal. And this, listen, this is from... I want to bounce it so bad. This is from a secular source. This is psychology today. It says joy is almost a mystery. It's a spiritual quality that's internal. And happiness, on the other hand, is external. As long as the relationship goes right. As long as the bills are paid, I'm happy. Parents, as long as the kids ain't mad at me, I'm happy. As long as my spouse ain't mad at me. I'm okay. As long as everything is going good on the job, I'm happy. 
You see, there's this external thing that we gravitate towards as humans to bring us happiness, and we long for happiness. We long for uh, 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 not feeling bad. Like, who wants to feel bad? Like, who wants situations to not line up? Who wants situations to not be okay? But you can have this joy on the inside of you that surpasses all of that. And what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about Jesus is our joy. And if you've been tracking with us, can you remember what we talked about the first week? Anybody remember what we talked about in week one? Jesus is our hope, right? What did we talk about last week? Jesus is our peace. And now we're going to talk about this baby who was born in a manger to die for our sins. He is our joy, our joy. How many people... Just have a sustainable joy. Don't raise your hand because you make other people feel bad if you do. Like no situation can bother you. You just got joy. Nothing gets under your skin. You just got joy. You see, Paul wrote to the church, the Philippian church, in Philippians 4.4, he said, rejoice. That means to get joy again. In the Lord always, again I say, rejoice. You see, joy is not an option. For us as believers. Joy is not an option. Maybe because uh, 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 God has given it to us in a way that is positive, we feel like we can't do it and we don't need to necessarily do it, but we, we gravitate towards those things that God says don't do that's negative, right? Like don't kill. You be like, okay, I'm not supposed to kill, right? Don't gossip. Well, I do. I, sometimes I don't gossip, but you know, uh, but be joyful, like, is God really telling me to be joyful? Just because it's given to you in a positive way doesn't mean that it's an option. We lean toward the negative. And so when he is saying rejoice in the Lord always, it's in essence as if he was saying, do not kill. Again, I say, do not kill. Why does he repeat himself? Because it's important. God wants us to be joyful. Some of you may be saying, well, that's just Paul. He's making a suggestion. He's not uh, 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 giving it to us in a way that we should. Look at Psalm 32, 11. David said, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. And there's literally hundreds of other instances of this in the Bible where God is telling us to have joy. Deuteronomy 26, 11 says, you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord, your God, has given you. Hundreds of examples of the Bible telling us to have joy. Yet we treat it like it's just an, an, an option for us. I'll be joyful if I want to be joyful and God is not mad at me or, or he's not going to strike me down from heaven. So I, I, I don't know why I need to actually not be joyful. And if I'm honest, I'm not sitting on my ivory tower today looking down upon people. I struggle with maintaining joy. <gasps> the pastor? I struggle with maintaining joy. Why? Because I'm naturally pessimistic. Don't say amen. You can just say ouch. I'm a glass half empty kind of guy. Who drunk half the glass? And when you're pessimistic, when you're a realist, we call it, when you, we, it's hard for us to find joy in God because we just keeps it real. 
when the bad report comes, we usually go to the doom and gloom and we say, man, if it, if it turns out okay, God, I guess it's okay. But if it don't turn out okay, I knew it anyway. And so God is telling us, listen, 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 listen. Being realist is not necessarily sin, but what we do with it makes it sin. When we allow our keeping it real to rob us of our joy, that's sin. When we allow keeping it real to rob us of our joy, that's sin. Thank God for grace. <laughs> but God is trying to get us to a place where, listen, Christians should be the most joyful people on the planet. We should not have to wait to Christmas time to sing joy to the world. We should not have to wait till Sunday mornings to come in here and raise our hands and be glad and happy for the 20, 30 minutes that we sing worship songs. And then we walk out of the doors and our lives just revert back to the way that they were before. Listen, God has invited you into a relationship with Christ and Christ is our joy. And if you're looking for joy, you're looking for happiness in other places, guess what? It's fleeting. You won't find it. Ultimately, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so I'm thankful this morning that God has challenged me with this word about maintaining joy. About maintaining joy. Why? Because life is full of heartache. Life is full of challenges. Life is full of disappointment. The Bible says so, and then the Bible goes on to say life is full of challenges and it's short. Wow, way to paint a picture, God. At our best, we get 80, 90 years in light of eternity. And God is saying, listen, don't spend your time worrying, stressing, straining, being unhappy, being downtrodden. Listen. It's a short life, but have joy that you have life eternal after this life. And with that life eternal after this life should directly impact the way that you live your life right now. God wants us to come alongside him and share the joy of the Lord, but we can't share the joy of the Lord because we're all bottled up. I got stuff going on in my life. But our joy can't rely on revealed things. Our joy can't rely on external things because it's not true joy. And so today we're going to take the words of Jesus if you don't believe me. If you're turning your Bible to John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. This is a familiar set of scriptures. And once we're through, we're going to evaluate four enemies to our joy. Four enemies to our joy. We're going to reflect a little bit, and then we're going to go home. Is that okay with everybody today? John chapter 15, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. If you underline stuff in your Bible, underline verse 8. And prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved you, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so we just got a treatise from Jesus himself talking about what it takes to have real joy. What it takes to have real joy. And not only have real joy, but have joy to the full. I don't know about you, but there's something about having full stuff. Right? Stuff that's full. Stuff that is, at, is like it can't get the capacity of it is here. It's full. There's this fullness of joy that can be had. And don't raise your hand. Don't even look at me sideways. I can guarantee you that most of the people in the room today, you have not experienced the fullness of joy. Why? Because it's fleeting for most of us. It's fleeting to most of us. But God has said, God has declared, God has demonstrated that you can have this. We just got to believe it. Well, Pastor, how do you know that I ain't never experienced fullness of joy? I say most, so you might be one of the few. But as I talk to people, as I experience people, I understand that most of us have a hair trigger when it comes to anger. Just a hair trigger. It don't take a whole lot to get me riled up. It don't take a whole lot. Man, let the Cowboys kick that field goal and they hit that goal post and it bounces back. Oh, Lord, why just fire the kicker? <laughs> now, my joy is no longer full. And this guy who makes millions of dollars to kick a ball just messed up my whole day. Ain't got nothing to do with me. Ain't got nothing to do with my present circumstance. Why do those things hinder me so much? Because I don't have joy. Traffic on 35. Somebody pray for us. Why does it take me 45 minutes to get 10 miles? This don't make no kind of sense. Because I don't have joy. Traffic is looking at the other side of the road. But they just up there rubbernecking, just being nosy. Then you get up there. <laughs> don't make no sense. Cable went out. Phone company charge me more than they need to charge me, and now I'm irate. I'm mad. It's not that you don't address those things, but we shouldn't let that stuff steal our joy. And then on top of that, you suck all the air out of the room. Don't nobody want to be around you because you're in the mood. What's that one nobody in my house said, amen, like that? <laughs> What's the matter? Nothing. <clears throat> I thought we was going to the movies. Never mind. I didn't want to go to the movies with you no more. You're going to go enjoy a movie. You can't go enjoy the movie now because something happened and now you're mad and you don't ruin the whole evening. And then you're mad at them for being mad at you for ruining the evening. It's a cycle. 
So what are the enemies to our joy? I'm glad you asked. The scriptures we just read, we found that true joy for followers of Jesus is found in an abiding relationship with Christ. An abiding relationship with Christ. If I am the ball and Jesus is the hand, I abide in him. I remain is what abide actually means. It means to remain in him. To constantly have this understanding and this awareness of that you are as if you are in relationship with Christ at this very moment. At this moment where I feel like losing it. Hold on, wait a minute. I'm in a relationship with Christ. My grandma used to be on to something when she said, lose your religion. Anybody have somebody talk about lose your religion? For you guys who ain't in the know, lose your religion. Right? Don't let nobody make you lose your religion is what the old folks used to say. And so often we forget that God has bought us with a blood-bought price so that we can have constant relationship and constant fellowship with him. That's why Christ came in this season. That's why he is called Emmanuel, God with us, so that he can come and dwell with you in the midst of your circumstance. When Paul wrote in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you know the situation that Paul was in when he wrote that? He was sitting in prison. And he wasn't sitting in prison because he robbed a bank. He wasn't sitting in prison because he shot somebody. He was sitting in prison for nothing more than preaching the name of Christ. And he was writing to the church in Philippi. And Philippi was this, was this place in Rome, where, where, in the Roman Empire, where the Roman centurions and the guards, they were retired to this place. So it was like a whole lot of military folks that were retired there, and they were really patriotic. And so the church in Philippi was sitting there saying, uh, 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 Caesar's king, and then the church, I mean, the, t- the church in Philippi is saying, Jesus is king, and, the, and, the, and the, folks, the, the, the people are going, what are you talking about? Caesar, wait, wait, how, how dare you say this Jesus is king? How dare you not bow the knee to Rome? And so now the church was under persecution. And so Paul's in persecution, right into the church in persecution, saying, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say, Rejoice. See, we don't have a problem rejoicing when things are going right. Somebody wrote a check and you the one, you, oh man, I don't know where this check came from, but praise the Lord, let's rejoice. Somebody from your small group came by and said, hey, you were having a bad day. I'm so sorry you had a bad day. I brought you some KFC or whatever you like, some, 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 some free birds or something. You and your kids, you ain't got to cook today. Rejoice in the Lord. Hey, the Lord, won't he do it? But let the kid go wayward. Let the supervisor lose their mind on you at work. And you already had a bad day. Rejoice? Nah. I rejoice later, Lord, after I tell him what I had to tell him. So God is saying, abide in me, remain in me. When these situations get tough, when the circumstances and the trials come your way, abide in me. Because listen, Outside of me, you can do nothing. Outside of me, all these activities that you're doing in in, in the midst of your situation, guess what they are? They're fruitless. I know it's hard for some of us in the room, because some of us in the room, we can do some stuff. I graduated top of my class, and I got a business, and I I, I elevated to the top of my company, and I did this, and I'm a mover and a shake. I can make things happen. And God is saying, listen, I am the vine. You are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. 
that's meaningful, that's eternal, that's lasting. He said you can do some things. He says, no, I'm the source. And so in order for us to find joy, in order for, us our, for our joy to be full, as Jesus said, we have to abide. And so what are the four things, the four challenges I'm going to talk about today? There's probably many more, but I'm just doing a high-level overview of four things because we don't have, like, a lot of time here with one another. Because see the way y'all look at me when I go over, like, 25 minutes, y'all be like, you better hurry up. And so the number one, the number one reason for us not abiding is we aren't forgiven. We haven't given our life to Jesus. How can you abide if you've never given your life to Jesus? And Jesus called it fruitlessness. You can write down fruitlessness. You're just not in Christ. You can come to church and not be in Christ. And the illustration is beautiful. I love the way that Jesus talked. Like, we act like Jesus was just saying just random stuff. Like, I'm sure Jesus was probably walking, and there was probably some vineyards off in the, in the distance, and Jesus would just say, I'm divine. Because he's giving you this illustration. It's almost like, 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 like Jesus is saying, you know, if you're not in the source, you can't grow. You can't bring no fruit. You ever go up to an apple tree and there's a branch next to it. You wouldn't expect the branch that's next to the apple tree to bring forth the apple. Why? Because it's not in the tree. The source, the nutrients, the things that come down from the soil or in the tree, and so unless it abides there, you got nothing. And so in this Christmas season, some of us have been found wanting. We've been looking for things in our lives to, to enhance our lives, and we think that if we get close to church, things can happen. But God is saying, Jesus is saying, no, 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 you have to be in me. You got to be in me. You got to be. And so it's a relationship, it's a threshold that you cross across and you go, Jesus, I love you. Your Lord, take my life. And some of you might be thinking theologically, you might be saying, okay, wait, 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 what about Romans 2? Or Romans, the end of Romans 1, the beginning of Romans 2, where it talks about some people can be saved by their consciousness. I get that. I'm not talking about salvation right now. I'm talking about abiding in Jesus. I'm talking about living a fruitful Christian life. And many of us in this room, we're without excuse because we've heard the gospel story. We understand that our sins keep us away from God. And no amount of self-help, no amount of seminars you go through will help you to become fruitful in this life or the life thereafter. Secondly, what keeps us from abiding? This is a big one. This covers a lot of things. Unforgiveness. Listen, we've all been hurt. We've all went through stuff. If you've been around people for longer than 45 seconds, you've probably been hurt. Because hurt people hurt people. But it's time for us to get over some things. You got anybody in your life that when somebody talk about them, like you get something in the pit of your stomach? Some of you might have people that that, that, that are around you or in your life that's friends with the person that gives you the thing in the pit of stomach. When you see the friend, you see them with your friend, you get mad. That's indicative of some hurt on the inside of us. And we say, well, you know what? I, I, just, I, I don't forgave them. 
But every time they come around, you just tighten up. You might have used the words, but you haven't released them. And they don't went on with their life. They probably right now getting ready to go to the mall, do some Christmas shopping, and you up here all bottled up thinking about them. They ain't thinking about you in one bit. You got ulcers. You can't sleep at night. And every time somebody bring them up, oh, and another thing, man, you, don't, I don't, you need to go hug it out with this person or something. Unforgiveness. Do you know that unforgiveness hinders your prayers? Keeps you from abiding. Jesus, Jesus said, how can you say you love the Father who you can't see, but you can't love this brother right here in front of you just because he did you wrong? You can't still love him? You can't still not agree with him on everything, but you can't still love him? And that keeps us from abiding. And guess what that keeps us from, Joy? Again, you see him and your mood change. You're not free. As soon as they come around, your attitude changes. You start bringing up old stuff that you're supposed to have moved past. Again, that hair, picker, that hair trigger temper shows signs of unforgiveness. And the best thing that I like, you know what I like? I'm not talking about just getting on, on social media and just posting some things that that, 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 that's going on in the world. I'm talking about, you get on social media and you start dry snitching. You know what I'm talking about? Like you and that person know what you're talking about. Y'all going on each other's posts and you, they tell you what, ain't nobody going to do this. And you like, everybody's like, what's going on? And only you and the person know. And then people's like, God does it. And you, get, you just want other people involved in your drama? Y'all don't know what dry snitching is. <laughs> the coach is like, I know what you is. Nah, play. You want that just... I ain't gossiping. You just gossiping for the whole world just because you don't know who it's about. Making yourself feel better. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness goes deep sometimes. Sometimes we think we're making process to move past it and we're not really moving past it. Sometimes we're doing the exercise, but it's not really making any, 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 any headway. And then in those moments, guess what we need to start doing? We need to start fasting and praying and say, God, help my heart. God, I'm all jacked up about this. Give it to God. God can handle it. That's a part of abiding. God, restore my joy because I don't want this person to rob me of my joy and this person that went on with their life. God, help me right here, right now. God, help me. And you pray about that thing until you see a breakthrough. We don't want to tear it with stuff anymore. We got this microwave faith. Did you pray about it? Yeah, for about 15 minutes yesterday. We'll keep on praying. Keep on going through the grieving process. Keep on allowing God to show you you. Keep on allowing God to show you that person in them and how much he loves that person. I tell you all the time, buy them a gift. Reach out to them. Go out to lunch. If they don't want to do that, then you pray for them from a distance. But say, God, something is going on in them if they still want to continue to hurt me. So God, help me get past it. Because it's not bottling them up. It's bottling me up, God. And I'm losing my joy. And there are people. Here's the thing. There are people who are hurting, church. There are people who are hurting. And they need to see the Christ in you. And they can't see the Christ in you because you're hurting. And they can't see past your hurt. They can't see past your mean face. They can't see past your circumstance and your situation. And so why would they want to give their heart to a Christ or a God who promises joy when they're looking at Christians and say, I can't see no joy in you Christians? 
Your faith is not even working for you, so why should it work for me? And we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. So we got to get our lives right, Christian. That don't mean that we don't hurt. That don't mean that we don't go through things. But we get, in, we, 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 we get together in our small groups and in our fellowships, and we talk it out, and we keep moving. There are people who've even come to this building, and I'm not fussing right now, so don't take it as fussing, but I'm just giving some information. There are people who come into this building, and they're hurting. Sunday after Sunday, and they're trying, to, they're trying to find someone who can have something to help them. Maybe, maybe a friendship or a fellowship or a small group, but you're too busy dealing with your stuff that you can't help nobody else. It's time to grow up, church. It's time to get joy. And you know the funny thing, and, 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 and I'm not trying to do theological acrobats right now, but the funny thing is Jesus said, Jesus said, unless you come unto me like a child. We too, big grown, we, we too busy being grown that we forget that Jesus wants us to come to him like a child. Yeah, kids just, kids just forget stuff. I mean, kid could, a kid could hit another kid in the head with a rock. Boom! And five minutes later, they playing. You know what I'm saying? I just get up, oh, man, I'm bleeding a little bit, man. God, man, my mama gave me some ice cream. Thank you for it, because I got ice cream for it, and they friends again. Kids are so uncomplicated. I, you, you, you be at the park, and you just walk up here. Want to be my friend? Yeah, let's go be friends, okay. Go and tell the parents, hey, me and him are best friends. <laughs> you just met him. <laughs> you just met him. time to grow up. But when we grow up, our faith looks like children. We don't rationalize that, oh, they're going to hurt me again. No, 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 no. It's childlike faith. Third, pruning. Jesus said, those who bring forth fruit are pruned. Now, I ain't never been a horticulturist. That means people who work with trees, right? Okay. I, I, yes. <laughs> I've been on Wikipedia and Google. Yes, big words. But I got to imagine that some of the tools that they use on the tree don't feel good. My wife used to have me out there trimming this tree in our front yard. And I'm like, wow, this tree ain't going to grow. This tree sucks. And she be, I mean, you got these loppers. They call them loppers. They don't even sound right, right? They're big metal, and they're like, 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 like boat cutters, and you, you chop it off branches. And so she, and so... I don't know. I grew up in the projects. We didn't have no trees. And so the, the, the branches down here, she said, no, those are sucker shoots. They keep the tree from growing up because they're growing outward. I'm like, what? So she got to get out there. And so I'm lopping off these branches. And then she got these other trees. They look like sticks when we first got them. They look, I mean, they literally look like sticks. And so we plant those. And then like six months later, it's still a stick. I'm like, I don't get it. And she's lopping off stuff. I'm like, it ain't got no leaves. You're killing the leaves that's on it. She said, I'm pruning it. That don't make no sense to me. You're killing what we got. We got leaves, and now you're killing, there ain't no leaves. She said, no, 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 the, 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 the tree can't grow up. It's because the, the, these are sucker shoots. You know, I went to Google Maps the other day. She was right. <laughs> Five years later, those trees are bigger than a house, right? And our neighbor's tree is still little. The neighbor's tree is still little. So what are you saying with this? When God prunes you, it's to make you fruitful. It's to make you grow. 
But we don't want to abide because pruning, it must hurt. Because, hey, listen, I, I like my limbs. Don't be knocking nothing off of me that I came with. And so what are those things that we're trying to hold on to that we don't want God to prune away? Listen, sometimes God will prune away the relationship. Because that relationship is toxic and it's keeping you from growing. And God allowed the situation to come in that the relationship is no longer valid and you're fighting for the relationship and you're trying to get back into that person's arms. And God said, no, I done moved them away from you so that you can grow. And you know that relationship was toxic. You know you wasn't reading your Bible like you were supposed to. You know, but you just had to be in a relationship. Sometimes the job got to go. But God, I just wanted this career so much, and I want to be an executive, and I wanted to, but it kept you away from family. You were traveling way, way too much. But I'm, but I'm, surprised, but I'm providing for my family, but you ain't abiding in the vine. So sometimes, sometimes we choose these things over God. I'm reminded of the parable of the man who found a field, or the one who had the pearl of great price. They had to give something up to get joy. Evaluate your life. Is God pruning stuff out of your life? Is God removing stuff out of your life? Is God giving you a distaste for certain things that you had a taste for and you don't have a taste for no more? Maybe God's pruning you. And so instead of removing that thing and then saying, oh, I got all this free time now. Let me do something else. No, 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 no. Use that time to seek the face of God and see what God wants you to do. Don't raise your hand. Who wakes up in the morning and says, God, what would you have me to do this morning? God, what directions would you have me to go in this morning? God, what people are you sending my way that I need to be ready for, God? God, send the relationships, God. God, send the circumstances my way. God, how are you pruning me this morning? God, I want to grow today. Or do we just wake up, roll out of bed, brush our teeth, Say a five-minute prayer, jump in the car, and yell at traffic. But I guarantee you, if you start waking up and say, God, I understand that you're pruning. God, I understand that you're the vine. God, I understand that you're governing the things in my life. And Jesus, I understand that true joy is in finding you. So Jesus, let me find you in every situation today. I did this the other day, and I'm not trying to do this to brag or nothing, but I'm just cheap. I got tired of paying toll fees. I got tired. I left a little bit earlier so I can go to back roads, not have to take the toll. You know what I did? I put on, man, I put on the audio Bible. I was just riding and praying. I was like, man, this is so much. And even on the toll, like you get there fast, but you get there and you run to the next thing. Maybe God is telling you to slow down and abide. The things that you're searching for joy in, that's not joy there. Joy is found in me, and so slow down. Seek my faith. Hear my word. Heed my word. Understand that I got, I got what's best for you today. You have to seek me to find out what's best for you today. And that leads me to the fourth one. We lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of the big picture. And the big picture is through this relationship, through this intimacy with Christ, I find joy. And some of you might be saying, well, I've been trying for years, and I ain't found no joy in it. 
Well, maybe you've lost sight of the big picture. Maybe you've lost sight of God has saved you for a purpose. He's called you for a purpose. He's whispered in your ear for purpose. What's the difference between you and the Apostle Paul? What has God given those guys that he hasn't given? He's given you his Holy Spirit. He's given you these things. They just walked in their purpose. So that he was sitting in a prison cell and saying, this is what I love about the book of Philippians. If you ain't read the book of Philippians, come and read the book of Philippians. Especially understanding that he is in prison. And they're about to take his head for the sake of Christ. And he says, you know what? I could stay here and be with y'all. But if I die right now, I go and be with the Lord. He said, I'm torn. Like, I love y'all. But I can go and be, I can go and get the, the fullness of joy. I can lay hold of the big picture. What are you saying this morning? Preacher, listen, there's a big picture. You're a part of the picture. Play your part today. Stop chasing balls. That sounded really weird. <laughs> I'm sorry, I tried to hold it together, but I was like, that sounded really weird. Stop chasing happiness. Stop. Stop. Joy is what you seek. And fullness of joy is found in Christ. Why? Because Christ is our joy. It's internal, not external. It's where God wants me to be. I'm asking the worship team to come up. And share one more song with us. Sorry, audio team. Um, we're going to reflect for a few moments. If you're like me, this message was convicting. Because <laughs> I find many ways not to abide. I find many ways to lose my peace, my joy, my happiness. And it's all external stuff. I find ways. Like, like I actively like find ways. And God wants me to be settled in him. And sometimes when we enter a place of conviction, especially when it comes to stuff, because in the middle of that text there, it says, cut off and thrown out, like, oh, that sounds horrible. And sometimes it brings more conviction, and that conviction causes me to be maybe the fifth thing. I don't abide because I'm convicted, and I can't approach a holy God. I can't approach God for this joy that you're talking about. But God's not mad at you this morning. matter of fact, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Christ is love. And we only understand the fullness of his love if we look in the light of judgment. Like, dealing with that polar opposite, like, you, I know he loves me because what he came and died for. And the punishment that he endured on the cross was meant for me. 
Now, Christ didn't do it in a way that he wanted me to just, oh, I owe you, Jesus. And so now I got to do some stuff in order to be right with you. And if I don't feel like doing some stuff, then I can't be right with you. That's not why he died. He died because he loves you so much that he wants fellowship with you and he wants you to be better. And I'm so grateful that he doesn't allow me to be my pessimistic self. That he gives me the grace to grow up. And he wants to heal your heart today. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.